Hello out there in Cosmic Crit listener land, it's Drew here to talk about this week's episode as well as this month's challenge. That's right, it's a new month, that means a new listener contest. So in the past few months, you guys have uh, done some cool things like help out with our critical fail deck or make crazy awful monsters to rip and tear our flesh and murder our characters and somebody bit my tail. But this month, we want you guys to help us create something to take these monsters down. That's right, it's Mayhem May. Hopefully somebody put a cool effect behind that. But if they don't, it's fine. That's right, we want you guys to design some awesome weapons for our Cosmic Crit crew to wield in battle against our foes. So, what you need to do is send us an email to CosmicCrit at gmail.com. Give us your awesome weapon's name. Every legendary weapon has a legendary name, and we want it to be something that you can remember throughout the galaxy. And a description. What is so cool about this weapon? Is it a a knife that has a built-in uh, poison ability? Is it a heavy weapon that fits in a small weapon slot so a uh, Nisoki could use it uh, like a little envoy guy and uh, do some really good DPS instead of something with a small arm? You know, that'd be cool. I wouldn't mind that. Somebody should do that. And of course, the stats. And that might be a little challenging, but you should check out the the Starfinder SRD in the core rulebook to look at some of the weapon tables to see about that. And if you have any questions or need any help, you can always ask our Crittermanders on our Discord to see if they can help you out with your submission. Uh, So do that. Of course, the winner will receive a Paizo PDF as a prize, which is always, always awesome. Now, I turn it over uh, to this week's episode, and of course... Again, it's also a new month, so that means a new theme month. And what better theme for May than anime? Minasan Ichiban Show, Cosmic Crito, ni Yokozo. Watashitachi no Join Show, Kasasete, Kurasai. Edrasu. Ore Teki wo Subusu. Andes. Akusen mi ni Sukasu. Nak. ウィスキーはどこだ。アレンドラ。セセシンで私はあなたの死体を拾ってできる話。ジョインはマオパトリックが任せますか。私はバンゴはあなたのキャロゴはやめます。コズミクリット。<笑> Okay. And now we begin episode 36 of Cosmic Grit. My Neighbor Marrowblight. Last time on Cosmic Grit. Raimi got himself a new set of peepers. Nax seems to have retired his con man ways to start fresh with the corporate life. So that's Nax's whole backstory featuring a colorful cast of new characters. We met our contact Juanita Trucks at the Ministry of Eternal Vigilance. Juanita Trucks? More like Juanita take a number. Gentle Sage Jonesworth, the ghoul shopkeeper, reluctantly tells the crew about an Eoxian legend, the Marrowblight. One of our leads was being attacked as the group came to investigate. Andis rushes in. Alindra half burns down poor retired Gretel's home with blazing orbit. Alindra exploded like 12 guys. This is the second time we've gotten intel from a diary. Another investigation episode. Somebody call Blip Hardcastle. Episode commencing in 3, 
2, 1. Episode initiated. Welcome men tats and reverend mothers. We're walking syncopated through the dead wastelands, sucking on our still suits, trying to avoid giant sandworms in this week's episode of Cosmic Crit. My name is Duke Patrick, and I am your GM here, your gourmet melange maestro of all things spice. We're parsing through the local Fremen culture to discover the real Kwisas Haderach among my five friends and players that are joining me right now. To my left, the young Duke's son, whose name means the small mouse in the moon. It's true, playing Naxisrak. I get to be Maldib? Yeah, Maldib, that's you. And to his left, the wise doctor that risks it all to kill his erstwhile torturer, it's Jabert playing Andis 147. Actually, it's pronounced Gomjabar. <laughs> Across the digital table, Patrick Stewart charging into battle, holding a pug, it's Miles playing Raimi. <laughs> Good evening. And to his left, this Benny Gesserit is the real mind killer as she chops your head off. Rebecca playing Alundra Vallis. Hello. And finally, to my right, slicker than Sting dipped into a vat of baby oil, it's Tyler playing a Dross Veronis. Oh, you give me too much credit. Thank you. <laughs> uh, hey, everyone. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, Love it. Pretty good. Uh, awesome. that, was, that was Dune, if you have not seen the classic film Dune. I actually haven't. Yes, not not the book. I had nothing to do with the book there. That was all movie references. I tried I tried to read that book at one point, and at the back there was a 55-page glossary of terms. And at that point, <laughs> I closed the book so and you, like, walked away. The end to be like, well, let me just see how this ends real quick. <laughs> well, I, oh, nah, nah, I'm nah. not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, right, so we are very close to the end of this book, book three of the Dead Sons. Adventure Path. Uh, we are so close that I don't want to waste too much time up front here chit-chatting with you all. I want to get to it and get done with this so we can get to book four, five, and six. Yeah. All right. All right. So are you guys are you guys just ready to jump back in exactly where we left off last week? Of course. So ready. Yes. Right. So when we last left off, you all were on the hunt for connections to the corpse fleet in the city of Orphase and had gone to investigate the Veterans Lodge for the 5th Squadron of Bone Troopers, and there you fought some thick-skulled ghouls, and they went down pretty easily uh, among you guys. Didn't roll great for them, but you guys rolled really well. So the authorities have showed up, the flesh renders, heavily armored, undead sentinels, and they show up in force. They surround the building, the dark purple lights flashing, flooding the cramped apartment building uh, in the common areas where we find the five of you and uh, Ingrid or Pender recovering, as well as a ghoul that definitely pretended to be knocked unconscious by, by non-lethal damage at the end of the last episode. He had one hit point left. He just didn't want to die. <laughs> or and, he uh, likes kitchen rope. Yeah, no, it's, that, that's his favorite kitchen rope. Kitchen rope callback. All right, so you've already done a medicine check last week on, on Gretel. She's recovering from, from this attack from these uh, three Eoxian first group uh, members. So you, you get to her and, and she says, Thank you for saving me. Back in my prime, I could have taken two of them, but three was beyond these old bones. Well, three would have, would have been beyond all of our old bones. So there's no shame in that. Who? 
who are you all? We are from the Starfinder Society. We're here to help you. We hear that the corpse fleet has been active in this area. I I turned in a report to the ministry, but I I didn't think that it would it would cause all this suffering. It sounds like you might have been on to something. My flatmate, Harvin, had been acting strange all month. Very secretive. As much as I care for my friend, we both swore an oath when we signed up for the fifth to put the planet over its past. I thought she was mixed up in something over her head, but when I confronted her, she pulled away. I saw then she had deep gashes in her bones, like she was in a fight. And as Greedle will move over to a, a locked door and puts up a, a card to it and unlocks it and says that this was her her room. I imagine you would like to take a look at it. That would be very helpful. Thank you. Right. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a very threadbare room. Not a lot of ornamentation, but does look very messy. If you just take, you know, a few minutes to, to peek around it, you do find what looks like a piece of actual paper um, torn perhaps from a, a journal laying on the the floor uh, of the, the chamber here. And it says, to be continued. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, no, he got us. <laughs> I get to make that joke, Tyler, not you. Who wants to read it? Oh, I'm so sorry. Jabert, why don't you read this since you went to the piece? <clears throat> she says that if I make contact and head through Skullcap Gorge, that I will be safe to talk to her, and her pet will not attack me. Still, it is a hike to get out to the hermitage. So if I plan to be back within a day or two, I best depart now and meet this Morrow Blight head on. Guys, the Morrow Blight. You mean, that thing's real? It sounds like it. someone thinks it, that it is. What did the shopkeeper say about the Morrow Blight? Uh, the, the, was that something that might have attacked the, the flesh works too? Yeah, but it sounded like it was like an urban legend or a ghost or something. It didn't sound like something that was based yeah. in actuality. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know that they are indeed real. I think the the urban legend aspect of it was that a Morrow Blight would come into Orphase and just snatch living folk right off the street. Oh, okay, okay, I misunderstood. Kind of a, a spooky character. And also, I think you can glean just from what was said that they're, they're, they don't like to talk about it as well because uh, I don't know, she, she's not a part of the, the city's culture. Maybe they're, she's an outsider, fringe group. My note says that it mutates its own flesh and others. What yeah. is the pet? That's what's concerning me. Well, it sounds like this, the pet this is, person is the Mara blood. Yeah, they, they control the Mara blood. Is it possible to control this? I, I look at Raimi when I say that. <laughs> a Mara blight is a, a thinking, intelligent undead creature as well, but is kind of maddened. You know, it's it's, it's not in the best frame of mind. They're, they're kind of rage <laughs> monsters. <laughs> So it's about five or six minutes before the authorities arrive, but in that time and the time they take, uh, you know, asking you some some questions, you guys can take a 10-minute rest break, burn a resolve if you need it, regain stamina. Does anybody want to do that now? Yes, me. Alindra. I will nope. take one as well. Yeah, got Alindra and Andis, so I think we are all set there. So it's, you know, pretty boilerplate. They will ask you a, a great deal of questions. They... Uh, take away this this Larex get statement from Gritol and, and she backs up your story of course and about 20 minutes after that fight your comm units alight and the identification given is the Ministry of Eternal Vigilance and you pick up it is 
Juanita Trucks on the other line, and, and she says, I just got the reports of the authoritative actions. Are you all all right? I'll answer the call. Yeah, what do you want uh, to say? Yeah, uh, we're all fine. Thank you, Juanita, for, for checking in on us. Have you heard anything new that we should know about? No, I, I just read the reports, but I'm sorry if this Harvan character was a bust. Did, did you all find out anything else in your investigations? Yeah, we, we heard about a, a person, a, a lady, who might have a pet Maroblite, and that they, they live in some kind of hermitage on, on the outskirts of the city. Have you heard any reports about this? Maroblite. Yes, I, I heard a tip a few weeks back about Maroblite on the outskirts of the city, a couple miles past the bubble. If you want to take a look, I can send you the approximate coordinates. The terrain out there, though, is very unstable, so it will be best if you walk it. Be careful. Now, now that I am looking at it, it seems quite dangerous. You don't know what this thing is capable of. Regardless of what happens, report back to me whatever you do find. Juanita, we do not know what this thing is capable of, but do you know what this thing is capable of? No. Oh, well, that makes two of us. <laughs> to Skullcap Gorge, then, I guess. Should should we stop by the, uh, the Fleshworks to see... If maybe they have a security camera footage of of a Mariblite eating, like stealing from there, or anything about anybody that, that might have seen it. If they did, that would have been submitted to Juanita as well. But that sounds like the sort of shenanigans that a, a Mariblite would get into. Yeah, you're pretty sure it, from what Rainy knows, uh, Miles. I think when we talked about it last week, from your mysticism check, you know for a fact that they indeed do take bones and flesh and other body parts and do some pretty macabre things with them, uh, oh. implanting them into their own body. So a a vat of freshly formed arms would definitely be a, uh, a boon to a creature like that. Oh, marrow blight. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right, so you guys are, are free to leave the Veterans Lodge. Uh, do, do you want to indeed make your way outside the city? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I guess so. Andis, Andis gives Greta a high five on the way out. <laughs> she gives you that bony thumbs up. <laughs> it's, you know, still holding her arm. And, uh, and we'll, we'll wave as, as you exit the street and head on down towards the, the, the retainer wall and the, the large technical and, and magical bubble that goes up over the the entirety of the city, but is right there on the edge of the Splice District. As you're walking on the streets, Raimi, you begin to feel a magical pull. The hairs on your arms standing up, a rush of oxygen to your brain, and it kind of feels like extreme flight or fight. And your spell cash tattoo, it starts to thrum with energy. Why don't you give me a perception check? All right. His Raimi senses tingling. Right. And this is just a regular, just a regular section. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it won't have anything to do with the visual spectrum, but <laughs> your, your new eyes, but yeah, you, you notice an open door in the, the street ahead of you. 
kind of in the direction you all are walking. And this chill, as you as you look at this door, intensifies uh, a marking on its exterior. Is something you haven't seen in, in some time and nowhere else on this planet before. It is the corporate marking of Quindar Industries. Looks like a maybe an old machine fabrication plant with these large gray bricks making up a squat two-story structure. And as you are looking in this direction, maybe the, the rest of the party walks on a little bit, uh, you hear a voice call out inside your mind telepathically saying, Yes. <laughs> Miles, can you take that five more times for me? <laughs> we get to something. Yes. Let's crazy just yes. <laughs> that, that's Ruby's internal monologue. You've never known it. But there it is. Yeah, that's what he, that's what he, that's what he sounds like when he's talking to himself. Uh, <clears throat> um so so I'm I'm a little bit behind everyone else. I I resist, I feel like I should be resisting the compulsion to to walk closer to the door, mm. but I'm not gonna. Do, do you want to call people back? Yeah, yeah, actually, um, I, I call out to the group and and let them know that I, I'm, I, I'm getting a magical sense from that building, and it specifically whispered my name. Wait, wait, a building whispered your name? That makes no sense. No, it came from the building, Edris. Y- you know, oh. Ra- Ramy, I'm just glad you're Sharon, buddy. Just glad you're Sharon. <laughs> no, I'm Ramy, not Sharon. <laughs> Oh, oh, and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> so, do you guys want to head on inside? Uh, well, I mean, Ramy, if you want to check out this building, then well, me, check it out. I, I feel like we probably should. It's got my family's company's logo on it, and I'm getting magical messages to my brain. I feel like something's going on. Wait, so aren't it, you trying this... to get away from your family, though? Yeah, but someone's clearly, you know, tracking us. If we go out there in the middle of awful terrain and we're facing a Meriblite and someone comes up behind us, we might be in a bad situation. All right. Well, why don't you lead the way, Ramy? We'll be right behind you. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> right. So stepping inside the factory, it's uh, it's dim light in here. You can see though, pretty easily, it has indeed been picked bare. Large holes in the ground where maybe machines were planted and posts and iron beams locked into place. But all that remains now are these bone-like rusted metal girders wrapped with blackened chains and the, the floor maybe hastily swept clean at some point in the distant past. Layer of dust on, on everything that you see. In the center of this room stands an oppressive black item, a coffin-shaped carrier. And, Ramy, it's just like the one that you saw in Ambassador Nor's office. Very, very similar structure uh the enclosure has opaque black steel glass and only the the faintest light coming from a control panel in its side uh guys you know about that slab i told you about in Nora's office looked kind of like that very similar it's like something that could transport someone alive not very comfortably does it have the same layer of dust that everything else in here has You'd have to get very close to it to, to figure that out. Right, Ed, Edris, we... go check to see if that has a layer of dust like uh, everything else. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> it's really uh, creepy to me, but uh, I mean, if you if you think that'll help. He's got intelligence of eight. I'll go with Edris. I'll well, go with Edris to, to help determine amount of dust. Everyone make me a perception check. 
I get a plus two for dust. So and this is a frog. <laughs> a visual one. Uh, great, a, a natural one. Right. So we've got our perception rolls in. It don't see any dust on the outside of this. It looks like a, a pretty new um, device in a very old setting. You maybe hear like a an echo coming from the the back of the building. Something outside maybe coming through a broken window, but. You seem to be alone here with this item and the coffin-like device. The, the lights on the side do light up a little bit. You hear in your minds, everyone, um, but directed at Raimi, a voice say, I am happy that you have come, Raimi. There is much I wanted to speak with you about for so long. Who are you? Please just call me the Forgotten for... That is how I am best left. If you are smart, once our business has concluded, you will not seek me out and forget that I ever existed. What business do you have with me? I came here to warn you. I have a story to tell. It is important, though, that you trust me first. And so I wanted to tell you the truth. Three armed men... Kasothans step out from behind girders in the, the back of the room. They are the armored and heavily kitted out Kasothan mercenaries that you fought on Castravel. Very, very easily you can see one of them sporting perhaps still a wound Melindra gave him <laughs> on his arm. The voice continues in your mind and says, I have hired the services of the House of Ashes in order to get a chance to speak with you before you made a fatal mistake, I apologize that their methods of extraction were so violent. You see, they came from a world in turmoil, rejected by their own kind. They took to study the blade and the bullet as their means of communication. They worked under my orders, so please, I ask you, do not take it out on them. All right, I'm listening. C continue. As I said, I came here to tell you a story. It is a tale of a very dangerous woman who has gone by many names and assumed many identities. She was born here on Eox, served in the military, and early on declared her loyalty for the corpse fleet and the furthering of undead agendas. Long ago, she realized that she would need to do anything possible in order to give her people an edge the credits, the resources, the political clout that they would need. She found all of them by weaseling her way into a high corporate house on Verses, and she became a friend and ally of your mother, Deandre Dar. This woman, she was her chief confidant and advised her in the arranged marriage merger with your father, all the while siphoning funds, data, shipping line information, all of it to her allies in the corpse fleet. A small screen pops up on the carrier coffin, displaying an image of uh, Raimi's mother uh, as a, a younger woman, maybe 20 something odd years ago. And behind her getting out of a, a luxury vehicle is an Alebrian woman, an Eoxian with spidery black veins running up the side of her enlarged skull. You recognize her plainly, Raimi, as the woman at the Splatter Dome that showed an interest in you. You met just a day before. Oh. 
the voice continues on and says, Mary Ark Kiltresha, a.k.a. Zira Vesh, former squadron leader for the fifth wing of the Eoxian Armada and currently believed to be captain of a corpse fleet cell here on Eox. I've seen her. And you're still alive. That bodes well. But as I said, she spent every waking hour with your mother until the day you were born, Raimi, and then disappeared from Verses. She had a lot of time to integrate herself into the corporation, set up triggers, and lay out pitfalls. I believe that she has been blackmailing your mother and father in some form since your birth. I have yet to been able to uncover how, but she has been known to use cranial implants in order to forcibly command targets. Patients scheduled for subdermal plating or digital ocular implants wake up feeling like nothing is wrong until she switches the machine and breaks one's mind in a matter of seconds. It is very possible that she was able to use this manner of spycraft on your parents, or perhaps she has some other way that she exerts control over them. I do not know. So you're saying that the atrocities that my family were responsible for could be this woman's fault? I I do not know, but if that is something that your mother and father were involved in, it is possible and perhaps likely that Zira Vesh had a hand in it. What exactly are you talking about, Miles? What's, what's Raimi referring to? So listeners may remember from uh, his uh, explanation to the rest of the gang that he, he discovered that his family was responsible for funding and executing a uh, small colony uh, that was under the guise of an agricultural study, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were actually trying to create a biological weapon. Uh, things went terribly wrong, and the entire colony was seen to be an at-risk colony, and they came in and just uh, killed everyone, burnt every piece of evidence, and just raised the colony to the ground and kept it under wraps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the voice continues and says, I have seen firsthand her use this type of control on others. Corpse Fleet Command Necrographs are black market tech, highly illegal. You can make someone roast and devour their own leg with the proper controls. You can make them turn on their loved ones, even perhaps their children. Do you understand, Raimi? I understand. This woman ruined my life and my family's life. But I caution you, Technomancer, for going after her. I wanted to stop you on Castravel from coming here, but it is still not too late. If you go up against this Zira Vesh, I believe she has some way to hurt you. She was, at a very young age, inducted into a cult of vampiric undead. As a young girl, she was trained by Krixal the Unseen Hand Assassin, and she has been the head of covert operation for decades, staying undead and working for the corpse fleet that entire time. She is beyond dangerous. She is lethal to all sentient life in this galaxy. Sounds like she needs to be taken care of. In the mountains past a valley gorge made of bone, you will find 
her ally, this horrific morrow blight creature named Mortrant. Killing her might lead you to Vesh, but as I said, I believe that she will be one step ahead. Everyone always is. Raimi, I I know that it has been hard the last few years, you being on your own, on the run from your family. You are lucky to have such good friends as these Starfinders, and I wanted you to know that. I wanted you to know that the justice for which you seek is here. It is on Eox if you so desire it. So go now. Find your absolution where it may lay. Thank you, Forgotten One. I can never repay you for this. The Kasothan mercenaries, the, the House of Ashes, kind of, you know, they seem to be at attention the entire time. They uh, they saunter off kind of back into hiding as, as you guys break communication. Oh, so they're, 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 I, I have a question about them because mm-hmm. uh, the Forgotten said that, that they were there to protect me. So they're not going to come along on this little adventure with us. Uh, no. <laughs> okay, so just to clarify, I distinctly feel like I heard that this the uh, Vesh is that the correct name? Uh, Zero Vesh can use different things like even ocular implants to mind control people. She uses brain control implants, and if someone's going in for some kind of head augmentation they get slipped in along at the same time all right Ramey, we didn't you just get ocular implants <laughs> that's true we how do we check this out is this a medicine check is this a mysticism check is this what kind of check is this to make sure our boy isn't uh isn't gonna be yeah. mind controlled i think it's an attack roll and you just crack Ramey upside the, <laughs> the, the, I'm on the it. i've got i've got it <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> There's no other way, boy. I wish I could. Uh, I wish I, could. I wish there was another way. <laughs> uh, right. So, with with even more warnings from your your GM and from NPCs, I don't know how many I can throw at you. Are you guys ready to head out? I mean, of all yeah. the warnings we've ever received, getting one from a coffin is definitely the creepiest. So, <laughs> another point for Eox for being creepy as hell. So. And- I should mention, not a coffin. It is a encapsulated device that is meant to keep someone safe and secure in in long transits. It, it's you know like a, a sleep pod almost. It's like River Tam, right? Correct. Yeah, it is just like River Tam. <laughs> can, can I call out to the uh, to these Kasathan dudes to try to get one of those uh, sweet uh, pistols we saw at the beginning of this uh, <laughs> beginning of this book? You do. You turn back to do that. They're already gone. <laughs> Me. Right, right. So, yeah, we can have you guys heading on out to the, the edge of the enclosure, the, the bubble surrounding Orphase. As you are walking in that direction, the city streets narrow, and then finally you turn onto a dead end. Warning signs on the airlocks there leading out into the wilds of Eox read in 50 different languages. The signs say toxic atmosphere, radiation pockets, Next city, 389 clicks. Do we know how long that is? It is, yeah. It, it's a lot longer than your Castroville journey <laughs> to the next full city. Right, but we're not going to the city, right? It's just a couple miles outside yeah, no. the city, right? That is correct, yes. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I was so, going to say, the note said like two days, right? That That's, yeah, what Harvin's journal said. 
Uh, we can do this a little bit early. Anyone that has a good survival, maybe roll that. Or if you have just a, a point or two, maybe uh, I think uh, you can aid a dross if you want to. Yeah, I can I've aid. got. Let me double check. I have my survival is plus eight, so I'm assuming Mine's that's five. Oh, I've got five as well. Mine's plus okay. one. Yeah. I'll go ahead and roll it. Fourteen. Failed at aiding. Sorry. Can I can, <laughs> can I still attempt to aid? Uh, you can. I'll, I'll tell you that you're still not going to be able to hit that DC as all three of you might be looking at your data pads, uh, the scant maps of the the area. You know, detailed maps uh, that maybe a hundred year old topographical that you're able to to pull up. Yeah, it, it does look like it should only be a, a two or three hour hike uh, to the the northeast. But as you do exit out of the, the bubble city, go through the decontamination airlock, you, you find the surface of Eox to be a mix of gnarled stone peaks, swirling rocky outcroppings, just kind of jutting out of the, the ground at odd angles. These, these other formations, these stone formations that look like wickedly curved horns or sharp bones just sticking out of, of the, the planet's surface. A gray and green haze of toxic smog hangs above your heads, maybe 100 feet. And as you walk ahead, the stone actually cracks and crumbles a little bit beneath your feet. It feels kind of very porous, uh, as if the entire planet was made of a like a brittle charcoal burnt down to its core. Unfortunately, with that survival check, you do get a little turned around. The path through the, the different canyons and hilly plateaus here, very confusing, and you accidentally follow a, a long, dried-out ancient riverbed into a bend that forms a circle, so you lose a few hours of the remaining daylight and have to backtrack. But to get to this location, you are stumbling around in, in complete darkness. Eventually, you come to a narrow cliff face with a small opening that leads to a, a valley a wide valley and the only way to continue is to yeah descend down or climb this sheer rock face you know that's about 60 feet tall i i mean i don't know about anybody else but uh i really don't want to do this in the dark i can't see i i just i can't see me either i'm pretty good at climbing though (laughs) though well should we should we camp I mean, we have the, our suits have the power to keep us out here. Uh, I have no idea what kind of Eoxian wildlife may be, you know, out here, but if we're going to go fight this creature, and it's as tough as everybody says it is, I can't imagine that fighting in the pitch black would be to our advantage. I think it would be best if we camped and got going at first light. I agree with Edris. It no sense adding any extra disadvantage we might have. That dried riverbed that we went through could provide us with some protection and then we can make our way tomorrow. Oh, I have a tent. <laughs> yeah, you do, don't oh. you? <laughs> For six people. Yeah, we can all yep. huddle up in my tent. Slumber party! <laughs> Ghost stories. I do think that somebody should be like standing guard, so... Well, yes, we will take shifts. Uh... I wish we could disguise our tent a little bit better. Raimi, I don't suppose you have any permanent holographic images that you can throw up? Uh, would my spell actually do that with the tent, Patrick? Um, I'm not sure how long holographic image lasts at this point, but I think it's concentration-based, so if you are on watch, you can put up a, an image of just like a rock formation. You guys are like inside a rock. Okay. Yep. Stop by throwing dirt on top of the tent. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I imagine you still have a lot of spells left. 
miles. So at the very least, you can, at the drop of a hat, kind of throw up that rock image or whatever you want to. Yeah, know, tend to be All a couple, right. of, couple of dead trees if you wanted. But so, <laughs> how long do Eoxian nights last? Uh, great question. The Eoxian standard day is actually thirty hours. So the night is just a couple hours longer than it is normally. Here, you guys can still divide up the time and, and just take like one extra hour each for your your shift. Okay, so during at least Adros's and Raimi's part of the watch, I think Adros would just want to come up to Raimi and say, I, I know it's hard when you feel like your close friends or family have betrayed you, like you felt with your parents. And to learn now that some psycho, undead, crazy woman might be behind everything, I'm just, I'm really, I'm really sorry, Raimi. Uh, just so you know, if you want to go after her and bring her down, then we will do this together just like we did those farmer CEOs back on Ackerton. I'm with you all the way. I appreciate that, EV, but you know, the way that the Forgotten was talking about this this woman, I have the feeling that she might be connected to whatever we've gotten ourselves into. So we may have to come up against her whether we want to or not. I'm I'm still processing, honestly. I don't I don't even know what to think because in some way everything I've known has changed. I mean it's it's one thing to to be on the run and to think that, you know, my family isn't who I, I thought they were and that they've betrayed me, they've had me hunted and that I've, you know, lost everything. And then to to find out that this whole thing was orchestrated by someone else from before I was born and the, the last, you know, decade of my life has more or less been for nothing. It's it's a lot to take in. I hear you. And it does seem like our list of enemies is ever expanding. Yeah, but you know, I talk a lot of, of nonsense, but to be honest, you're probably the oldest actual friend I have left. So, you know, if I have to fight by anyone's side, I'm glad it's yours. I I feel much the same way, and I'm glad we're going to see this entire thing through together. Right back at you, buddy. Edrosa and Raimi, your watch goes by deathly silently. <laughs> there's just <laughs> there's nothing out here. Yeah, the, the rest of them, uh, everyone else resting up. Um, you, you can hear them breathing, snoring, <laughs> as, as you all are, are talking. Uh, our, our second watch, Mac and Alindra, quiet as well. And as the dawn breaks on, on Eox, Andis, you can stand vigil on top of a, uh, a rocky outcropping. You see nothing for miles around you. It's just dead out here. Hmm. Whew. Yay. <laughs> that's, that's a lot better than, and then a swarm of crazy undead insects crawls over the camp. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, I probably should have rolled on the, the random encounter table that our, our fans made up. No. Oh, oh, what's that? Five liquid carbon golems, you say? No! <laughs> good call. Five carbon golems, two Arunkinas, <laughs> and, and one knack killer. <laughs> okay. In a partridge in a pear tree. And even worse, French Stewart! No! Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, no. Guess guess what? We we are moving on to oh. the next day. I've reset our resolve point count. Our spell is used. <laughs> I was dragging from last episode, but um you guys wake up, you're you're pretty well rested, maybe a little uncomfortable once again having to sleep in your your armor with the environmental protections on, but 
if you take them down, the air here is just awful, awful quality. Kind of hurts to breathe in. Uh, right. So waking up the the next day, are you continuing down into this this valley? Yes. Yes. Venturing forward, you see it split the the valley into a, a fairly narrow passageway, and beneath the these rocky steps you're traversing slowly, you see a very large pit of greenish liquid bubbling, boiling, as if sulfur-like bubbles are coming from the, the bottom of it. It looks very toxic, very dangerous, but that isn't the disturbing part of this section of the valley, though, because as you get down to it, looking closer at the cliff walls here, you see that it's not made of stone like the rest of the wastelands. The walls of the valley are made of thousands and perhaps millions of skulls, rib cages, and bones heaped into a massive terrain of death. They take the form of humanoids, but you see a few massively large, even huge skulls in there as well, as along with some very small, very fine bones. Adras, you want to take a swim? I'm having terrible flashbacks. I really don't want to look at that. Yeah, so you, just from the context clues looking around here, you're pretty sure from, from looking at the map earlier that this is indeed the locale known as Skullcap Gorge. And this marker on your map means you're very close to where you were told the Morrow Blight keeps their residence in Harvin's note. She said she would have to pass through here to get to there. Descending past this pool of, of acid is, is simple work, as you see massive stone pavers as thick as tombstones lay stacked along the northern wall. And so long as you're carefully descending this difficult terrain, you can proceed just fine. As thick as tombstones, really? We gotta even have that description on the dead planet. <laughs> I mean, they're they're like basalt stone, you know, jutting out of the, <laughs> the ground, and they are indeed about a foot thick. So, <laughs> but they're kind of like uh, tiled and layered in different directions, so that it's actually a little difficult to, to climb down. Edros is going to unwind his sash and change it to the flame doshko and have that out. Awesome. Right. So as you exit the valley, you see a wide expanse on the other side marked by just a few of the, the sharp stone outcroppings you've seen elsewhere. And in the distance, you see a small hut surrounded by what at first blush seems to be a dead garden with brown plants and, and white wood shrubs. What would you like to do? Uh, can we roll a perception check? Please do. That is a 20 for Nack. 22 for Amy. Ugh, a three on the dice. I see Ooh, everything. 14. So still about 100 feet away, the few of you that are indeed taking the time to study it from afar, tell these aren't dead plants at all surrounding the hut. As, as it comes into clearer focus, looks like flayed skin set to cure in, in the thin atmosphere and bones planted into the rocky ground and a bunch of like macabre sculptures just made of sinew and cartilage and, and flesh of all different colors. That's well, welcoming. I, this must be the honeymoon suite. <laughs> well, crew, how do we want to handle this? Guns blazing or should we try and do a stealthy approach? I think stealth is the order of the day. Uh, don't know how successful it'll be with a creature that can like move into the city silently and get out silently, but you know, we takes a stealth one to know a stealth one. All right, let's try that, and move as that's what they say, as we can. don't they? 
<laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's yeah, an old one. Didn't know West Elkhorn. It's it's an old Kasathan saying. Just you know. So is that a path to the hut on the northern side of it? It looks like maybe a a walkway leading from it. So you're coming up kind of on the side of the hut. All right, let's try and move quietly and should, yeah. should we roll stealth yeah. checks to see if we are successful in this? Um, you can. Now, I like to, as you are moving as a party, not individuals, do something in, in a lot of my games, and this is something you can pick up GMs at, at home. I usually just take the highest and the lowest stealth check and average them out, and that usually <laughs> makes things go a little bit faster when you have a, a table of five or six players and maybe twice as many guards that could be hearing or seeing them. And I'll do kind of like a, a passive perception sometimes on, on a town guard. So it looks like looks like our lowest stealth check comes in the form of Adros and Andis. Is that a 10? Yes. And that highest is a 21, 22, Knack and Raimi. So averaging those together, you know, it's a little bit better because you're not going to be hamstrung just because someone rolled a single one when it's when it's a situation like this. I think we had to hide behind the flesh garden. Mm-hmm. I agree. We should make our way to the flesh garden yes. and then try and see what see if we can't get back there and make more perception checks. Is the thing like the flesh garden something we want to delve into? I'm not so sure I want to be in the flesh garden. The tent looks like it's made of flesh, too. So I think the flesh is unavoidable. <laughs> oh, no, you're going to be covered in, in gross skin by the end of this. Here, Bane, <laughs> trust me. It's the flesh garden. When you're here, you're family. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, God. I got the, I got the uh, $100 unlimited flesh paths. <laughs> so uh, as you all are, are walking up, you know, it's a very slight embankment raising up to the the hermitage where this marble is said to live you hear in the the distance the sounds of rocks breaking the, the same sound as when you're walking along through the the wilds itself beneath your feet and you see a smattering of stars above the hut twinkle out of existence as a large reddish form blocks out their light and this odd form Standing over 60 feet tall, lumbers in your direction. Let me show us what we're working here with. Tall. Oh, good. Lovely. Oh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is what it looks like. I'm just going to show you the the full stature of this creature. That That is what it looks like. These long, spider-like legs for this massive, gargantuan, I should say, <laughs> creature with bones and, and large spikes sticking out of the, the back of its head and these long kind of tentacles off of its uh, huge jaw. It is lumbering in your direction, standing maybe uh, 60 feet away from you now. We are in initiative turn order as this thing is coming right for you. Oh, like the same as last week? Like, is it coming at us like it's going to kill us or like it wants a hug? Maybe a little bit of both, but maybe Sweet. Uh, in that order, though. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Edris, sweep, sweep the leg, <laughs> sweep, sweep the tentacles, sweep the, sweep all the tentacles. <laughs> so you see this massive creature lumbering in your direction. We have rolled initiative before we started playing tonight, and thankfully, Edras Veronis, top of the initiative turn order. You're the closest to this thing, and it is your turn. Woo-hoo. You see, yeah. Very dangerous looking monster coming your direction. All right. It looks. Oh, 
whoever is measuring it out for me. Thank you. It looks like it is, I mean, easily within 70 feet. It is. Um, so... More like 40 feet. Yeah. My, my initial thought is to charge in. I think I'm not going to do that. I think I'm going to move towards it, but just about half my normal speed. So I'm about having the distance between it and the rest of the group. And then I'm going to ready in action to where if when it comes within uh, my reach, if it comes within my reach, mm-hmm. I will hit it. Uh, so that is your turn? Yes. Then next in the turn order is Nack Feldspar. Uh, I am going to point my Corona laser pistol at it from afar and get him. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Oh. What happened? I was messing with stuff, and I clicked something, and then it rolled, and I didn't mean for it to roll, but it apparently rolled a one, which I feel like isn't (laughs) what was supposed to happen. Oh, no. I think it was supposed to happen. (laughs) That sounds that sounds right to me. <laughs> oh no! First first attack roll of the combat. You hate to see that, but good thing we have a critical fail effect deck on our website, cosmicrit.com. Uh, I, need to, I need to buy a pronging oh. knack shirt. <laughs> it's this true. Privy it's, situation. Oh, it's that's so, a new one. I'm trying to roll out. Mm. It's so perfect. This this crit fail. It is submitted by another one of our super fans, Rabbit. It's called Combat Shock, The Stench of Death. How perfect is that? Oh, <laughs> For wow. where you are. Yeah. As you move across the battlefield, the stench of death, decay, flood your senses. So make a fort save for me. Oh, great. I'm so happy about making a fort save. Do you have a resilient jacket? I do. You can reroll this. It's a 21 fort save. Right, so the way we've set up our crit fail deck just to make it easy is the DC is 10 plus your character level, DC 16. You have passed, so it uh, would have nauseated you for your next turn, but you are fine. Yes! Yeah! Uh, Yes, easy one. And so that was a miss. Uh, Is there something else you would like to um, let's see. Uh, no, I think at this point I am good. And I just want to let the audience know, Fort is Nax's, like, worst stat. That <laughs> I, that that I saved that roll is amazing. <laughs> Alrighty, next in the turn order. This creature begins lumbering forward. It is going to move to the closest, which is Edros Veronis. As it moves closer to you, Tyler, Edros is armor begins to beep and chirp. The radiation detector is going haywire. Oh. It moves. This thing is radioactive. Yeah. Idros would immediately get on, you know, open up a comm if he can and say, its body's giving off some crazy radiation. It's all my sensors are all over the place. Don't get near it. So it moves within 15 feet of you, and I need you to make a fortitude save for me. Uh, I also have a resilient jacket, so yeah, if this sucks, I'll re-roll it. But I think I'm going to be okay. <laughs> 16 on the dice is a 24. So you've saved against the, the poison. You are taking medium at this range. Medium radiation doses just bombarding you. DC 17, got that easily. It moves up, and with its massive tusks and the the bones reaching from its head it leans down and attempts to gore you with those oh i'm sure i'm sure sure you'll roll low right just for me no nope uh no i rolled a 12 and 
That is gonna be a hit, so on a single attack. Oh, yeah, roll some damage. Oh man, almost minimum damage. So seven, 17 points of damage. Oh my god. Alright. Almost minimum. That is its turn. It has moved up and attacked Edros. Next is Andis147. Andis is going to dart in and try to um, and try to draw an attack from it to give our other melee friend a uh, an in. So I'm gonna run into here and then oh run back out to here. Oh boy! Oh boy! Um, Ooh, okay, wow. so a- as you move in, you go through a a low radiation field emitted just out, out about thirty feet from this thing. Your armor soaks that up completely, so no worries there. But as you get within fifteen feet, I need you to make that save for me, that fortitude save. All right, it's a twenty-one. You're fine. Perfectly All right. fine. It will indeed try and make that attack of opportunity. It's going to try and gore you as well. 13 on the dice, so that's going to be a hit. And a lot more wait, damage wait, wait, this I, time. Well, hang on. So my, my KAC is 26. That's still a hit. Yeah, it's, I've, I've rolled a 35. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, a lot of damage here. That is 31 points of damage rolled a lot more on, on 2d10 this round and yeah you can move away from it but imagine you're pretty hurt by by that attack it has used its reaction attack which means next in our turn order Remy quindar all right uh so i'm gonna roll i guess mysticism mm-hmm. anything out about this nice 24 Right, so 24, you are able to identify it, and you have beaten the DC for identifying it, because it is a pretty well-known creature on Eox, at least. I mean, there are very few massive creatures, particularly magical beasts, that still live on the planet. This one survived because it kind of soaks up radiation itself and, and emits it back out, and can also eat undead creatures so uh, this is indeed an elikoth you guys know it from maybe harrowing tales of other adventurers that have fought these things or you looked at the cover of uh, book three of the adventure <laughs> path splintered uh, worlds what do you want to know about this like i said you know some basics it has blind sense uh, out to 60 feet this radiation aura of 30 feet 15 feet of which is that medium that really dangerous medium radiation what are if any weaknesses it has so i can tell you it's defenses it's offenses uh, it's special abilities defenses. has a eac <laughs> of 22 a kac of 24 both its fortitude and reflex saves are 13 and its will is plus eight. This is the most dangerous fight we have had in the podcast so far as it, this is a CR nine monster. This, this, oh Lord. this is going to hurt guys. <laughs> Ramey, that's what you know about this thing. What would you like to do? I guess I'm going to cast caustic conversion. All right, so this will require an EAC attack roll. You can do it! Nope. (laughs) Uh, Right, so unfortunately, even with your plus two of get him, that's going to be a fail. Yeah, just just barely. Taking us to next in the turn order, Alindra Vallis. So, Rebecca, you have heard right before your turn, 
that Miles has given you some some basic readouts on what this thing is, this Elokoth. It's a, a magical beast, kind of like a packed animal. It It is not really intelligent, but it can respond to commands. But it is indeed a monster. You know about this radiation field it's got. It's got low and medium radiation. You also know the armor that you just picked up on K9204 the level 7 golem forged plate armor will negate the entirety of its radiation field. Really? Yep. Any, any level 7 armor and above negates uh, both low and medium. Uh, oh, you, that's good All of you having radiation protective armor, I think level 1 and up, you will negate the low level of radiation. So... Mm-hmm. It, it will not affect you at all. Okay, so even Adras, even though his sensors were going off, he wasn't affected by it? Not the low. Uh, Adras, uh, I believe you have level five armor? Yeah, so I get affected by medium, which is medium gotcha. is within okay. 15 foot of the monster, so. Correct. <clears throat> okay, okay, cool. Well, in that case, I will run, let's see, I'm going to use Stellar Rush at this point. Oh, doggy. <laughs> yes, I'm going to Photon Attunement. I'm going to move over. Where do I have to be to be flanking since this is such a huge creature? Yeah, I mean, you can be on the opposite side of it, just like, uh, you know, a normal creature, the other side from Edros. And since, unfortunately, you won't be able to, yeah. Well, I I guess you can move. Yeah, you can move and then rush in. Um, This thing's attention is (laughs) pretty focused on the Andis and Edros side of the fight, trying to kill them both. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I'm going to do Stellar Rush to get on the other side of this thing, and not going to bull rush it because I don't want to push it anywhere. So I'm just going to use a, a melee attack at the end of that. Okay, great. Oh, and I rolled a one. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, it's going to be one of those battles. Oh, heavens. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I've I've rolled the critical fail deck submitted by good friend JJJ. Uh, we've had oh, God. Every time his name comes up. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, this might not have any effect at all, and you'll have to tell me that. It's okay. called Pulled Pin. Your attack inadvertently activates a random grenade on your person. Do you have a grenade on your person? No. Yes! Well, no effect. Ooh. Yes! <laughs> Thank you. Grenades Thank are for you. losers. Oh. <laughs> you look over, and Dross has six grenades on his belt. <laughs> uh, two, two very light crit fails to start us oh. off in, in turn one. This might be a fight because this thing is so big that grenades might work out, but I don't know. <laughs> well, it's got a plus three. 13 reflex you you already know it's pretty nimble on these long spindly spider-like legs that's turn one that is only turn one turn two top of the turn order Edros Veranis all right Edros is gonna come in (laughs) that's too far he's gonna move into melee range for him and use that flame doshko and that's gonna be a 30 oh oh yeah that's a hit 32 that's yeah 32 with get him which means 19 Fire damage. Yep, and uh, that all goes through on uh, on Mr. Elikoth. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I have forgotten to do round two of Edros Veranis. Edros, oh. you will need to make another poison fortitude save for me. Yep. Do these get progressively harder? 
No, not really. It, you will have to keep making okay. them, and as you get impaired, it'll do things to your saves. But sweet, let's not fail. Come on, Adros. Twenty. Uh, you're you're fine. Yes. Oh, oh man, not that bad at all. Let's kill this quickly. All right. Uh, next in the turnover is Nax's rack. Uh, Nack is going to. Hmm. Andis, buddy, it was awesome for you to to try to distract everybody. Uh, but stay in this fight. We need you, man. And here's 16 stamina. Yay, this is the first time I've ever gotten that. <laughs> <laughs> Two episodes in a row. Andis rushing in first. <laughs> but everybody uh, else, don't give in because we gotta get them. Alrighty, so it's been got. It now has two targets within its range in the form of Edros Vranus and Lindra Vallis. We've been here before, folks. It's gonna do full attack. One on each of you guys. First, two Edros. Oh, so close. <laughs> it wanted it. It's a he two on the hit. dice. He uh, might still hit. No, a two on the dice with a full attack is going to be a mess unless a <laughs> 20 is a hit. No. Oh my gosh, he's so Please. close. KAC of 23. He still mm. almost had me. Oh, man. Uh, and then turns around and gives one to Alindra. Ooh. A nine. Nine good. is indeed going to be a hit. So you roll that damage. Beautiful damage dice. Oh, oh no. Gotta love them. Those Ouch. double eights. 33 points of damage. Oh as my god. It comes down with one of its long legs and these bones, spikes coming out of it and just crushes them into you, tearing through your armor, tearing through your suit. You feel blood just pooling up on the side of, of your torso. That is its entire turn. It is now Andis' turn. Uh, all right. I'm going to track this beautiful monster mm-hmm. and shoot it like I always do, Pinky. Thank you for the compliment. Beautiful monster. I like this art too. And I quit the podcast. <laughs> and <it> lays down. <laughs> Pretend it's a great callback. Oh, yeah. No, I feel that sting. Three on the dice. That is going to be a miss. Raimi Quindar next in the turn. Uh, it's basically pea shooters, but I'm going to go for a magic missile. All right, a non-movement yeah. magic missile, 3d4. Pretty good. Uh, 11, uh, 13. 13, all right, that's going to help. Chip, chip, Not chip. Much. <laughs> just chip, chip. Yeah, anything. Chip, chip, chip. That's all it is. It's just gonna... we're, we're back to Alindra at the bottom of the turn order, and now you are indeed flanking with Atrosferanus, and you've got get him on. What do you want to do, Rebecca? Um, Do we know if... If it has like a weak head or anything, like can I climb up on top of it? <laughs> oh, oh boy! Top of it? Please don't. Already, Rebecca, what you got? Um, I'm going to stand here and double attack. Alrighty. That's it. Oh, 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 oh yes. Thirty? Yeah. Yep. 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 Thirty because you've got plus four, minus four for the double. <laughs> what is that? Eight, wait, Eighteen on the dice. Yeah. So twenty-three damage. 23, yes. All right. All right. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, no. It's going to be a mess. Oh, no. I got got the one hit in, but this one is indeed a mess. 15. All righty. That brings us to the top of turn three. Adros Veranis. Oh, Adros puts the flame dosko at full power. He's going to do a double swing. Oh, boy. First, first attack. Come on, buddy. We need every bit of damage. Oh. No! Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, 
Uh, oh. Hey, Andis, I quit the podcast too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a natural one on the dice for a 13, Patrick. Does a 13 beat its natural? You love our fans so much because we're pulling up some of the best critical failures and maybe the, the best for this fight. Uh, this is submitted by Egyptoid and it's called Creepy Crawlies. <laughs> Creepy oh. Crawlies. How, how can I, I can't even uh, write I like it. better ones. You would have had an excellent lunge. Uh, on the Elekoth, but it was derailed by the fact your foot went through a rotten place in the the garden floor beneath you, and about 500 black centipedes began swarming from the hole into the area around you. I need you to make a reflex save. Adras, watch your step. Oh, good one. I hate centipedes. Why is it always centipedes? (laughs) Uh, 18? Right, so yeah, ten plus character level, so you're good. Yes. It, a failure, <laughs> failure would have meant opponents get a free reaction attack against you. Oh, oh man! And if you had failed by five <laughs> or more, you get knocked prone. Oh well, yep. <laughs> Pretty bad. So that was a critical miss. You can still make that second attack. Oh my gosh! Because you're not on the ground, you're part <laughs> ready to go. Part- Part of me feels like it's going to be another natural one. Nah, you're fine. Keep going. Eight. Oh, it was an 18. Ah, 30. Oh, boy. 34, it's, technically. 34? I meant to pull attack, so 34 minus 4, 30. Uh, it's oh, yeah, it's just, just what Rebecca got. Did you roll? Yep. Yeah, 18 on the dice. Great job. What's that damage? 20 points of fire damage. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you bludgeon this thing with your flame doshko, and you can smell even through your environmental protections. This thing's flesh being singed, its sinewy muscles being cut up by your doshko. Knack, Feldspar, nay, Sizrak, what you got? Lindra, you have been doing so much good stuff in this fight. Uh, we need you to stay with it because you're the only one that can get close to this thing. Inspiring boost, tier 16 stamina. Everybody else, we got to stay on this thing. Get them! You know, I really would like to make, considering the, the artwork for the last episode, uh, just like a little audio clip <laughs> of Knack, but in like the Phoenix Wright voice, just be like, get them! Get them! But in that. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was thinking about just using the artwork as a an icon for our game and just slapping it down every next to everyone he casts get them on. <laughs> so that's, that's a good idea. Like Winky at the monster. I just love that the that the uh, chibi artwork we had commissioned works so well for that. Ugh. It's yeah, no, it's uh, everything coming up. Cosmic crit. Okay, yeah. So that is your turn on its turn. Let's start things off on the Elecon's turn by Edrosky making that uh, fortitude save for radiations <sighs> poisoning. Do I have? Do I have three in a row? Ooh, yes, yes, you do. Yes, yeah, I do. Nineteen <laughs> on the dice. That is a twenty-seven altogether. You drink that radiation poison for breakfast. You drink it up. And on its turn, it brings its head back up. It doesn't seem to be attacking you all with its horns, its bones this turn. It's dead. Uh-oh. Oh. It tilts its head in Alindra's direction. Alindra, you feel this psychic surge, this magical aura just radiating off of it. And your vision goes black, gets a little greasy around the edges. Your breath shortens and your chest begins to tighten and you feel the creature just sucking energy from you. The wounds on its, its legs where you've been cutting it up begin to heal up. 
as gashes and bruises form on your your rib cage and your your legs. Go ahead and make me a fortitude save. 23. Awesome. Okay, so you have saved against (laughs) this fortitude, so you're only taking half damage from this and you don't get a pretty nasty condition. This uh, this is its special ability called Soul Drain. It's just trying to eat your soul, whatever. No big deal. I almost made a Soul Train joke, but it's okay. Boo! Mm-hmm. Just kidding. Ooh. Okay, so I've rolled 19. That is only going to be nine points of damage to you, but you do see Ooh. some of its wounds heal back up. Oh. And that brings us to Andis 147. So this is one of those situations where taking a single shot is preferable to taking a double shot, mm-hmm. mathematically speaking. Oh, well, that's that's how we're always speaking in this game. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, so I'm going to take a move action to move in and then out again. You're doing another provoke? I'm doing another provoke. Another provokey? Oh, boy. Another provokey pokey. Oh, I'm making that attack roll. And it's against your armor class 26. Is that correct? 26, correct. So it's going to be hit. Roll the damage. Pretty, pretty high damage. It is another 30 points. Oh, boy. All right. I can't heal you anymore. All right. I am then going to take a shot. Hey, that's a 29 to hit. Hey, that's a hit. And nice. darn near minimum damage. Uh, <laughs> 10 points of damage, but fire damage. Nice. So all that's going through. And you see the, the wounds that started to stitch up on this thing almost appear again in the form of a laser blast to its 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 back flank as you kind of run around the backside of the Elikoth. So we'll need, as you're moving, another radiation poison fortitude save. Oh, be good. Oh, that's a 13. It's not going to do it. Womp. Unfortunately, I'm so glad we remembered all these roll so it is indeed a poison and just being in the vicinity of the the radiation means that it starts affecting you it is a constitution poison track uh you go from healthy in this first dose to weakened the the weakened state which is a, a negative two to fortitude saves constitution checks and constitution based dcs and with that you also take seven points of damage from the poison on just this initial exposure. The good thing about this is you have to get poisoned again by radiation in order to start contracting radiation sickness, the disease. Continuing on, which brings us to Remy Quindar's turn. All right. I'm going to try to cast a caustic companion again. Already again. <laughs> yes! Oh, yes! Oh, I was about yes, to Randy! say we needed a natural 20 here. <sighs> and yeah, because but... this is one that does roll that d20 to hit, you are doing double damage. <laughs> oh, yes! Double damage. And as we've, we've discussed before, it's just on these, these 44. So you can roll another 44. Okay. So we got so nine on the first one. <laughs> nine on the second. Nine on the second. Yeah, a couple mixes there, but 18 is nothing to snuff at. Alrighty, and... Uh, but caustic conversion, does that uh, also... Acid damage. Acid damage on, every turn? On the next turn, yeah, he'll also take an additional five points. Alright. Mm-hmm. Bringing us to Alindra Vallis. Feeling her soul being sucked from her body only inspired her to... <laughs> <laughs> to charge herself up and uh, use Supernova. 
Ooh. Yes. Nice. I was about to say, we are in that turn order. So, all right. So you've rolled the supernova, and I've got to roll reflex save. Made the reflex save, so half damage, but still, how much is that? So I, I'd be 24 normally, so 12. Alrighty, It's still up. It's, it's still very angry. And I think that's turn four. It draws Frost. Your turn. We still have the plus two from Getem, and I am still flanking. So full attacks are the order of the day, but less ones this time around. One hundred percent less ones. Oh, so, so that's a twenty-seven. Twenty-seven's a hit. Yes. Sixteen points of fire damage. How about two for two? Can we get two for two? 22 EAC? That is a hit. Yes! Oh, <laughs> squeaking in there. Oh. 19 points of damage uh, for a total of what? I don't, 20. I don't know. I can't add. It's like 30 something. 35? Thank you. My yeah. brain was dying. <laughs> Right, so you lay into this creature with your flame doshko, and that is, that's almost, yeah, what, 35 points of damage you said? That is mm -hmm. enough you to lop off one of its legs, and it starts tumbling around on its remaining spindly five spider legs. It does not go down, though. It is still up. It is <laughs> barely hanging on with a few hit points. Knack. Feldspar, your turn. Uh, how, Finish it, Nark! What is, what is the range of the radiation? Is it 30 feet? 30 feet. Okay, okay. I'm going to do this to get out of the way of Raimi, and I am going to uh, use my uh, Corona laser pistol and get him attack! <coughs> and nothing for that. That's a three <laughs> on the die. Good night, everybody. <laughs> and we're moving on to its turn. It gets one last chance to eat one of you guys. Maybe both of you guys. The first, yeah, we gotta do that fort save for the radiation poison. Four, please. I can reroll this, but just please, I don't want to. Oh, I think I'm gonna have to reroll that. Yeah, it's up to uh, up to you, but I think you do know indeed that we needed a 17. Yeah, yeah I don't think that's gonna do it, so I'm gonna reroll it. 22. Hey, yes. All right. <laughs> fort save for the day. Saving your bacon. Uh, yeah, that, that hails all the way back to that mountain eel, and we made the resilient jacket out of it, and it mm -hmm. has saved my hide all the way here. <laughs> right, so it is indeed going to try and, and heal up some more of its wounds, so it is going to try that same attack on Edros. So, Tyler, give me a another fortitude save. Oof. Oof. Oh no. Mm -hmm. I should have, maybe I should have just taken the radio radiation. Uh, oh no, I'm fine. 25. Alrighty, so half damage on this. Try and save itself. Ooh, so pretty, pretty good. 11 points of damage, and you see, once again, some of those wounds healing back up on it. Still very hurt. What kind of damage is that? Just like energy drain? I'm just assuming I don't get any DR to this. That's all I'm assuming. You actually... So it is a magical attack, but you take bludgeoning damage. Oh, well, then I do get DR to this. So what? I only take, so minus six to the 11. So not bad for me at all. <laughs> it's still going to be healing up some of its own wounds. But like I said, it's still very hurt. If you had failed one of these fortitude saves, I should mention the, uh, you get the staggered condition. So it could be pretty dangerous. Ooh, yeah. Pretty good that you, <laughs> you rolled high. And it's 147. It's still up and it is your turn. 
even though it is mathematically not preferable, I'm gonna take two shots with my laser rifle. Two shots. Yeah. So call, call me the old, call me old two shots. That's a twenty-nine. Yes. Bingo, bingo. That's a hit. Yes. It's with a uh, thirteen points of damage and shot number two. That's uh, a twenty to hit. That's a hit. Yes. Dead. Yes. Yes. A laser beam yes. right yes. through his head. Oh, you need it that second attack, it only had a single hit point left. Oh, man. <laughs> Good work, everybody. Heck of beans. <laughs> Two attacks for the win. <laughs> attacks. Yeah. Uh, Suck on that, math. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, and as, as you blast this thing through its, uh, its skull, it begins to sway and stagger on these long, pointy legs and just kind of collapses in on itself toppling backwards and crashing into the stone face of Eox. We're out of combat. Oh. So what kind of coat can we make out of Ellicoth leather? Uh, highly radioactive coats. You know, very, <laughs> very yeah. painful. It makes your hair fall out. They're not great. Oh, man. Uh, how's, how, how's everybody doing? How's everybody's SP and HP? Not great. Pretty good. 100%. So happy for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy. We can take Uh, a 10-minute rest. Yeah, I reckon that's probably a good idea for me. (laughs) Is its corpse still radioactive? Like, do we have to avoid that? That's the question I have. There is low levels of radiation still coming off of it, but it seems like the the really dangerous stuff stopped almost immediately when the creature's lights went out. So maybe we should check out this flesh hut. This no, oh, take a look. Great, a giant elecoth and now a flesh hut. We're really, we're really stacking up. You know the experiences here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Did you guys want to take a ten minute rest? Yeah. So yeah. I imagine you're pulling back from the the garden first. And who wants to burn a resolve point? Uh, and this does. I do too. Already. So after ten minutes, stitching up some wounds. Taking a breather, and this one four seven was just running all over the battlefield, <laughs> pro- procking those uh, reaction attacks, getting this thing angry at you. All right, so you all are rested up, still a little banged up from this Elikoff. What do you guys want to do? Let's go. Let's yes, go in the meat house. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say? Uh, the meat. The the meat's a house. The meat's a hut. Yeah, I'll have you know in the AP it is called the Skin Shack. <laughs> you know, oh god, <laughs> it sounds like a, a fun hip diner in the nineteenth row. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no, a it's shit out of or a really crappy yeah. strip club. I'm pretty sure it's yeah. actually a, yeah. a hit song. Skin Shack, Skin Shack. <laughs> so as you advance through the Garden of Flesh and Bones, you come upon the Hermitage, the small tent structure is made of flayed and stretched skin drawn tightly to posts and anchored to these massive bones sticking out of the ground. They're, they're large enough to, to be the bones of an Elikoth. The frame, though, in front of the tent is a regular kind of square frame that allows for a normal door made of ancient wood and, and plastics to stand there. Um, it's unlocked if you go up to it. Yeah, we do. All right. I uh, Let's be prepared for anything that could be in here. I... Can we, be ready. can we perception roll just to see if we can see anything out of the ordinary before we walk in? Yeah, I, yeah, I can like put my ear to the door and see if I can hear anything. Inside. Um, yeah, m- make me a perception check. You guys can peek through the door if you would like before you go in. Uh, 
And Dross rolled a 20. Right. Doesn't doesn't seem like anything is off in here. Looking in, it's pretty dimly lit. It's a you see a sparsely furnished room and maybe a few military corpse fleet flags and symbols hung up on the wall. Trash strewn about everywhere. A, a small table off to the side with a survival knife stuck into it. It lays covered in guts and gristle and the blood splatter of something that seems to have fought to its death fairly recently. Huh. Uh, can we investigate the blood and see what kind of creature it came from? You will have to step into the, the hut, take a look around to do any <sighs> further investigations. I'll go in. Yeah, I'll yeah. go in as well. Yeah, same. same. Right. As you are uh, moving in, you might just out of the corner of your eye catch signs of movement, maybe some shuffling sounds, but no one is able to hear creature moving from an unseen corner. A hulking mass of muscle and bone steps out as you are your back's turned investigating around you. A dozen skeletal arms sticking out of her back danced around her head, and she brings to bear a large metallic rifle in her arms. We're in initiative turn order. I need everyone to make oh, an initiative roll for okay. real these. Yeah. Now that, that is the marrow blight. So we are in combat as this creature steps through the shadows in the back, like a small hidden concealed area in the back of the tent, brings this rifle she has to bear on one of you. Not it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. It looks like she's targeting you, Amy. I've rolled randomly, see who she's picking out, and she's going to make a, a ranged attack roll. It's good. What is your EAC? My EAC is... It's 20. 20. <laughs> what, 20? So a 20, I've rolled an 11 on the dice. That is going to be a hit, and you hear a loud, even with the thin atmosphere, <gasps> uh, a crack strike through the air as hundreds of decibels come in your direction. This is sonic damage coming your way. So I've pretty low on the, the dice here, but that is still going to be 11 points of, of damage. Uh, she seems to be sporting a Thunder Strike Street Sweeper, one of the <laughs> most fun and hard guns to, to name five times fast. Thunder Strike Street Sweeper. So, uh, that's one of the best guns in the game. It's, Very good. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Got a boost ability, and she used it on Raimi, trying to knock him down. That is her Surprise round. She just peeks out a little. And we are in regular initiative turn order. Turn one, Knack Feldspar. All right, Knack is going to move uh, just slightly up here. Uh, All right, gonna... so move into the, the middle of everyone in, in, the, in the middle of the room. And I'm going to quickly uh, pull from my cheek pouch his disintegrator pistol and get him. Ooh, yeah. That is a 27 hit. Uh, that is that's going to be a hit. Uh, for 10 damage. Oh, already taken. Is this the first time Nax oh. done double digit damage? No, it's not. <laughs> it's close, no? but it's oh, not. It is. <laughs> How dare you, Tyler? <laughs> I was about to be really excited for him. Calling out those, those doubles. Uh, next in the turn order, also rolling above a 20, Raimi Quindar. All right. Raimi is going to cast Caustic Conversion to turn the noise down. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy 24 that is a hit yeah baby and hits uh 11 points of damage Alrighty. Uh, yep so you see this line of acid uh these 
magical nanites just eating away at her undead flesh. Maybe like a, a bone arm protruding from her back kind of like goes limp. Next in the turn order, Alindra Vallis. All right, so can I see this person? Uh, yes, she has okay. stood out in the open, is uh, kind of dark in that corner, but. Okay, I'm going to meet a stellar rush at this character. And um, even though she's in a corner, I'm gonna bull rush anyway. Okay. Yeah! So it's a 21 to bull rush. It's a 23 to bull rush. Uh, against its KAC, that is a hit. Yes! Awesome. And that is going to be 16 damage. It is not enough to knock it back, though, I should say. Well, it's in a corner anyway, Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, you um, buff it through a skin wall, I think, if you did that. Right, but 16 damage regardless. Uh, well, I uh, get a reflex save, is that correct, on this this solar uh, corona that surrounds your, your bull rush? Yeah. Okay, let's roll that. Oh, I rolled a five on the dice. That is... That's not going to make it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, DZ 17. So full damage, 16, bringing us to Edros Veronis. Your turn. Edros is not that fancy. He's just going to walk up to her and hit her. <laughs> <laughs> He's just going to walk up. Hello, He's I'm here gonna... to kill you now. Yeah, it's just like, oh, Linda, that was very nice. Now, then turns to the marrow plate. Stay still while I bonk you with my fiery doshka. Uh, 23. That's a hit. That is max damage. 21 points of damage. Oh, Fire. Nice. All right, so bringing the doshko down on her, you disconnect several of these bone arms on her back. This is exactly what she looks like, but now missing a couple of these claws. Pretty pretty wicked up close. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. I bet those can't take multiple attacks or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and nearly last, but not least, Andis147. Uh, let's see. Andis would need to target or take a five-foot step. So they're going to five-foot step instead and take a shot between Alindra and Edris. Alrighty. That is a 21 to hit. That's a hit. Yes. All right. That's 11 points of damage. Alrighty. Yeah. Got a lot. 10s and 11 damages here. Uh, not looking too good. This Morrow Blight creature you've uh, heard is called uh, Xerantha Mortrant. She has been, <laughs> unfortunately, really slow on that initiative turn order and has made herself be backed into a corner, basically, by a Dross and, and Alindra. <laughs> she is at the bottom of the turn order. So she's got a couple of targets with her claw attacks. If she doesn't want to provoke by shooting, please provoke. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think she wants to die that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, makes sense. that makes a lot of sense. Uh, she's going to give a couple of claw attacks, these spurs on her back. I think one at each uh, Edros and Olindra. So let's do Edros first. Okay, and not great. I've rolled a nine on the dice, and with the, the negatives here, what's your KAC? 23. Oh, I've missed. I've missed it so close. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. Need to roll better than that on this second one. Alindra, so better than a nine. Oh, oh no! Natural no. 20. There it is. I was, I was waiting for mine. When's mine going to come? So she has a, a few of these bone spurs sticking out of her back comes down, all daggers pointing in your direction, tears through your suit, right into your shoulder, and it opens up, like, in your your suit of armor. It is excruciating. Pain 
damage here. Maybe it's not that excruciating. <laughs> uh, one and a five for the damage. So that is uh, 30 points of damage on the critical. Oh. And I need you to make a fortitude save. 10. Can mm-hmm. I re-roll using my jacket? If you would like to, I would recommend, kind of, but... Oh, that's a tw- Oh, that's yes! A tw- oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's not, not a lot of great magical items, but, oh boy, well, you roll fortitude again, I'll take that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, Neil, oh, that is her turn, and we are back to the top of the turn order, turn two, Knackfeld Spar. Uh, Lindra, how much uh, are you into HP damage, or are you still at stamina? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm fine. All right, so I am going to once again uh, get him and shoot it with my disintegrator laser pistol. <laughs> Pronking prong. Oh no! <laughs> Drew, are you trying to roll these ones so you can shoot me? This. <laughs> 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 I'm doing du- double digit oh, damage, but boy. to myself. Uh, <laughs> the, the critical fail deck is going to be worn out. Um, <laughs> so we're going to have to get a new one soon. My, my, yeah, my mess button is, is wearing mm. out from clicking it. Uh, this is uh, another one from a super fan, Reagan. Um, I used to be an explorer like you until I took a... What, what gun are you shooting? <laughs> disintegrator laser pistol. <laughs> until I took a disintegrator laser pistol shot to the knee. Your palms are sweaty. You pull the trigger on your weapon and whoops, you drop it and it cracks hard against your knee before falling to the ground. You take 1d4 points of lethal damage and your movement is reduced by five until you can rest again. So not too bad there as well. You guys have dodged some bullets with these critical missiles. So I take, I take one damage. Is that what it's the one damage? You do drop your your weapon, but and your your movement's reduced by five. Not that it matters. This is like a thirty foot round. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I'm not that worried. Already, um, that's your turn, right? <sighs> Uh, I haven't taken a move action, but yeah, I'm good. Rainy Quindar. Uh, Rainy's going to cast Magic Missile. Now you've hit with that caustic conversion, which means another five points to her. Is that correct? Yes. So Magic Missile away. Uh, 12 points of damage. All right, 12 in toto. Uh, she is still up, but gets buffeted by all three of these force missiles, knocking into her side, nearly making her drop her rifle. She clings onto it, though, just in case she wants to, to use it in a last-ditch effort. Alindra Vallis, your turn. Alindra's going to uh, double attack. That's a 24. Uh, t- yeah, 24. 22. No, 22. 22. Yeah, 22. Uh, 22 against KAC is a hit. Yes! Oh, and that is gosh. 22 points of damage. Mm-hmm. So with that hit, you are able to drive your energy weapon through her neck. And her head just seemed to be glued on because it pops off and she falls over undead. And we're out of combat. Alindra decapitates <sighs> people a lot. Yeah I, yeah, I I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, you're like you're like Aragorn from Lord of the the Lord of the Rings movies. He just that's, that was his favorite thing to do. When you kill someone, it's like an automatic decapitation, and when you roll that uh, critical, you, you're cutting off arms and legs. You're you're kind of like uh, Obi Wan Kenobi at the end of <laughs> yeah. Return. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Revenge uh, of the Sith. I like these comparisons. Just saying. Alrighty, so yep, she is dead, dead, and you guys can take. A look around the shack. Like I said, it's just piles of detritus. Um, you see a pile of what looks like clothing and like maybe personal effects, perhaps of the the Morrow Blight's victims. 
do you guys want to search around here? Yeah, yeah I'd like yes. to look for, for another journal. We seem to have a lot of luck with diaries. <laughs> well, give me a perception check. Our highest here. Alindra, you don't find the, the journal, but you do find uh, amongst some strewn about body parts, some perhaps trophies of uh, Mortrant's prey, a lot of useless and destroyed items kind of littering the floor. But in this pile of rubbish, you find a blood smeared sack. Inside of it uh, are chipped and bent cred sticks from dozens of bodies, many coated in blood. I looked those and, over. Yeah, yeah. Popping them in your data pad, queuing them up. It's 9,177 credits in total. Wow. Nice. Uh, Nack, yeah, surprisingly, you're the one that finds a data pad. Um, fairly simple one that if you want to hand it over. You could probably crack this one yourself, but Andis can do it without blinking. <laughs> On it, you find communications logged uh, a few days prior from Zorantha Mortrant, this marrow blight, to Zeravesh. You can play that message back. On it, she says, I made contact with Orvin and planted the insignia at the Fleshworks. I did everything you said, Captain, and I will kill them for you and make sure there are no bodies left to find. The Starfinders, they will not make it off Eox alive. If they come to my home, they will be sorry. And I promise you one more thing, dearest Zira. Do be continue. There it oh, is. Hey. Next uh, week, when we play one more time, perhaps the end of book three. Time. time will tell on that one. Creepy Lady's Hut. Yeah. <laughs> How are you guys doing? She said we'd Pretty be good. sorry, but she's the one who's <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I mean, she's dead, so probably beyond emotion at this point. <laughs> but I get you. Well, she's she's starry, as in. Well, uh, she she died in space, I think. <laughs> no, I got, I got nothing. Uh, all right, <laughs> you put yourself in the corner. Do we have to? <laughs> do we have to take a number now? Winning a trucks? Or can we just walk in? <laughs> with, yeah, with yeah, the, uh, I the said we just bring head. in like the head of this enormous beast and just say like, <laughs> ding ding, Juanita. That's gonna do it for episode thirty-six. Ooh boy, one of the most dangerous fights. <laughs> we've yeah, won the game one. so far I am pretty happy we, we got through it I'm excited for what's to come in the end of this book Oof. but we're going to have to wait on that until next week so until then thank you guys for playing with me thank, thank, you. You. thank you thank you, thank you as always game called Starfinder and say good night everybody good, good night, night everybody good night everybody, everybody.